You're listening to the Sewing and Grown podcast and radio show with Jay and Jay. What is going on, everybody? I trust you're having an amazing start to your work week. Actually, I think you're off to a very good start because you made the decision to listen to the Sewing and Growing podcast with J&J. And you've made the decision, you've come to the conclusion that we actually have something worthwhile, uh, worth listening to. So thank you um, for putting up with John P. and myself every single week. We love you guys. We love the support. The reason why I'm not doing my normal spiel uh, or introducing a guest is because um, this week's a little different. Um, In preparation for the ladies' conference, uh, our schedules really didn't allow for us to record like we normally do or record at the time we normally do. So we have a guest for you, but that episode won't be dropping until tomorrow. We actually got to sit down and interview John Grunewald. It was a great time, and we're really looking forward to sharing it with you. But again, that will be... uh that will be airing tomorrow morning. So it'll drop at 12 a.m. So no matter how early you get up for work, you'll be able to listen to it. That being said, today, I thought I would rebroadcast one of my favorite episodes, one of the best performing episodes with over 120 downloads and one of the earliest episodes being episode 12. That would be Trust the Club with Casey Dunlap. And if you do not play golf, please do not turn this thing off. I believe there are a lot of parallels in wisdom. You can draw out of this podcast you know if you do play golf then you're always trying to hit a draw and so I'm asking you this morning or wherever whenever you're listening to this podcast to draw something out of it it was a great podcast one of my favorites and again um, listen to this one whether it's a first listen or a re-listen and then tomorrow uh, be looking forward to our interview with John Grunewald. Welcome, everyone. We are super glad to be back with you. And guess what? We have another guest with you. He's a good friend of ours. He may be with us. You said with you. Ours. I didn't argue. I'm not sure. (laughs) I I guess we'll have to listen to the podcast afterwards and find out. But his name is Casey Dunlap, and he does a lot of great things. But we're going to focus on golf today because why don't we talk to (laughs) describe yourself in two words or less? No, actually, you can have more time than that. All right. Tell us who you are, what you do. I'm Casey Dunlap. I'm a builder. I work in the valley here in western Colorado and uh, serve in the church here at New Creation Church and love to have a good time in the outdoors. Yeah. And you love to have a good time on a podcast. And And he actually hates golf, so I don't know why he's here. (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, I have a love-hate relationship with golf. Don't we all? (laughs) As we all do. Yeah. Cool. We you're the second guest on this podcast. We Thanks thought, for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. We always have good discussions outside of a podcast environment when there's not a mic in front of our face. We're trying to replicate it <laughs> when there's a mic in front of our face. What I did last night, you may not know, I played around a round of golf to prepare for today. And I thought that I would be like beating around in the bush and like finding my ball and God would give me revelation on how it applied to my life. I'm not gonna lie, boys, I was dialed in. What'd you shoot? 75. Nice. Yeah. It's the best round I've ever shot. Just by one stroke. And I double bogeyed the last hole. Wow. It was set up to be a really, really good round of golf. So I was really more focused on hitting good shots than getting revelation from God. So I got nothing. (laughs) What would you guys say? Because I am the least experienced golfer out of you two. Um, what would you say to the person who's not too into golf, but we still want to listen to this podcast? 
I think that you can get a lot out of the relationship between golf and what you guys are talking about, sowing and growing. Because golf can be a lot like our Christian walk. It can be the simplest, most frustrating thing that we've ever <laughs> thought of in the world, yeah. is what I believe. That's what there I believe golf is, and sometimes our Christian I, walk can be that same thing. I just wanted same to same. be the voice of reason and non-golfing and say, hey, stay with us on this podcast because there's yeah. something for you, even if you're not into golf. I mean, we've all had a simple and frustrating experience in our Christian walk, and for yeah. us in golf as well, and we'll say some fun things yeah. along those lines. Yeah. I'm going to say this. Sometimes I get up in the podcast. It's not because I hate what you're saying. I'm checking on the recording because we don't have somebody, we don't have a Jamie monitoring the podcast. It's just us. So every once in a while I get up, I check to make sure it's still recording. So don't be alarmed. I won't. That's what I'm doing. Okay. So we're titling this episode, Trust the Club. And what came to mind when we thought of this title is things that my dad used to always tell me, things that... My uncle used to tell me, which is Pastor Mark, because we golf a lot together. And I would be getting into a rut. I'd be trying to swing out of my shoes. And they would always say something like this. They'd say, hey, trust the club. Or they'd say something like this. Let the club do the work. Mm -hmm. And so I really feel like this can apply really greatly to our spiritual lives because we have to trust um, what God's given us and what God's put in our hands. And I know sometimes when I get in that rut, uh, and I'm, 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 I'm playing bad. I try and force things to happen. And here's the thing about a golf club. It was designed to hit a ball. Amazing. Huge revelation. It was designed the flat, the flax, the flex, <laughs> the flax seed. No, the flex of the shaft, your grip, the angle of the head, everything. It was, they knew what they were doing when they designed it. And that thing is, is going to send the ball farther than you could ever throw it. Or even if you try and make it go farther, this is what I've learned. When I try and get an extra 20 yards out of it, I get in my own way. And my hips get out in front and my hands are behind, the club's behind, and I actually am canceling out the work of the club because I am trying so hard to make it happen. You ever been in that experience? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's frustrating. And then that's when I hear the voice right behind me on the tee box after my third shot off the tee. Trust the club. Let the club do the work. So maybe we should start off with that, that kind of analogy of trying to do things in our own strength and letting what God's already put on the inside of us or put it in our hands do the work. Yeah. Go ahead, you know, Casey. I think of like when we're early Christians, some things are so easy for us. Like mm -hmm. it just happens, you know? Yes. And I think in golf, we will find that one club that just is perfect. If it's your yes. seven iron, it's your pitching wedge. Six. Your, okay, six Nine iron. Nine iron. You know, <laughs> I think the problem that we have is that we get so comfortable with what is easy, mm. like our six iron, mm. and then we never develop anything else. So mm. in golf, I used to be able to like take my pitching wedge and I could like open it up, hit it like a 56 degree, flop shots, do anything what I needed to do. But then I could like bring it down a little bit and I could hit 170 yards. So having yeah. a pitching wedge that goes from 170 to 80 yards is not really helpful right. when it's designed to be from, for me, it's designed to be 155 to 145. Yeah. Same. So I think our Christian walk can be like the same exact thing. When we're early in our Christian walk, we're getting excited. We're doing whatever we want or we're not doing whatever we want, but we're developing mm -hmm. whatever right. our gifts are some stuff comes very easy to us. And if we're not careful, we get stuck in that one mm. thing. And we think that's the only way we hear God. That's the only way we can experience God. 
we block out the other aspects of God and we just develop one area of our life and we hold to it and we think that's all there is. And we almost get to a spot of rejecting anything outside of what is our niche. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Wow. You know, going to what is easy, we always like the six iron. It's like if I could hit every shot with the six iron, it'd be awesome. But the things that are most beneficial in life are the things usually the most difficult for us and the things that we most like that we least enjoy. Relating this back to golf, the most used club in the golf bag is what? The putter. The putter. Mm. But it is the most, I keep saying most, it is the least practiced with. It's my least favorite thing to do. I don't want to practice putting. I don't want to putt. I want my wedge shot to throw a dart two inches from the hole, and it's just a gimme. In golf, when you get it really close, if you're playing with friends who don't care about the rules too much, they just say, oh, that's a gimme. And you don't have to putt it. And it's that's like perfect for me because I didn't want to putt in the first place. But that is the most important aspect of your golf game. When it comes to your Christian life, those things, you got to discipline yourself to do the hard things uh, to walk in love, to walk in forgiveness, to develop your maturity. The things that are the hardest for you are the things that are going to cause you to grow the most. And in golf, that's going to shave strokes off your score. Yeah. Putting like nothing else. Developing your whole tool. Yeah, you develop, develop your, your whole, whole bag. bag. Yep. Or you show up and you want to look cool. And if you're an experienced <laughs> golfer, you just get the big dog, you get the driver and that's the first club you grab. And when you're out <laughs> practicing and you see somebody who immediately goes to the driver, I don't know about Oof. you guys. I'm not an, even an experienced golfer, but I'm like, what a noob, man. Why are you just, <laughs> yeah, you, don't right for the, the you don't start with a driver. Uh, I learned from an older guy. He's like, whatever you do, when you get out on the driving area, driving come range, on. Range. That's it. Thank you. you See, it. I'm an inexperienced golfer, guys. Don't worry about it. I can't even tell you what it is. But when I show up, you said, whatever you do, do not grab the driver right off the bat. Start small and work your way up. And we want the big. We want the huge. And we want the demonstrative. But everyone knows that you save the most of your game on the short game. It's the small yeah. stuff that normally makes the biggest difference. Mm. And uh, I think that even goes into play when we are trying to dial in other areas of our life. It's the small aspects and the fundamentals instead of the effort that really make the Mm -hmm. difference. I remember I got really good with the nine iron, but that is more of a short range club for those that don't know much about golf. That club helps you get uh, small to medium range. And then when the guy was teaching me, he said, Hey, let's move up to a club that's supposed to go farther. What did I try to do? I tried to hit it harder and it would have the opposite effect. And when you're learning from somebody in their seventies, they aren't as strong as you. And man, he could hit it so far swinging so light. And I think the club do the work that's trusting the club. And the sign of maturity is seeing someone who puts forth less effort and gets more produce. Mm. And I want my life to be like that in the Christian walk. Yeah. Thinking of a golfer like that's 70 that can sh- like shoot a score that's very respectful and look so effortless is like seeing a seasoned Christian or whatever. Absolutely. Just like his everyday walk. You know that he was praying that morning. He was in the Bible and everything's just on for him. It's effortless yeah. for him. It's because he developed all those things throughout the years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's trusting the club, boys. That's trusting, trusting the, club. the club. I just ordered a club head cover that says hit bombs. And I'm actually really excited about it. <laughs> Is that going to help trust it? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, it's going to make me get in my own way. So back to the range. Part of the reason why you start with a smaller club is because on a chip shot, when you're practicing chip shots, you're not taking full swings as hard as you can. 
and really you're getting your swing mechanics dialed in. Because if you start with the driver and you're just trying to hit it 300 on the fly, you're going to get certain parts of your swing out of sync. And if you guys don't know this about golf, the slightest it like flaw in your swing will make you hit it into the woods. If your arm is not tucked enough, if your wrists turn too early, there's so many silly, stupid little things that will destroy your swing. And really you develop terrible habits. If you just pull out the driver first and work on what's fun and you start developing bad habits and your, your swing is not dialed in. So you start with the small things and you're working on the swing plane, making sure the backswing and the, and, and the follow through swing are on the same plane. So you're getting those swing mechanics dialed in and then you start swinging a little harder and then a little harder. And then you finally can have a full swing that's in time and in tempo, but it started with the little shots, getting those mechanics dialed in. So no, the hit bombs cover is probably not going <laughs> to help me, but it looks cool. It does look cool. Looks really cool. Do you have anything to go into, Casey? You know, you were talking about the driving range. We always start off with the driving range. Mm -hmm. I find myself as a golfer being a really good driving range golfer and uh, yeah. like so-so on the course sometimes. What you're, are you, what, what you're saying is that you're more consistent on the driving range than you actually are when we're playing 18 holes. Yeah. Ooh, you're a practice. You, My, you shine a, in practice. Yeah. If, Better in church than oof. out in the world, huh? You're, yeah. the, times. you're the opposite yeah. of Allen Iverson. <laughs> I'm talking I, about practice. I ain't need no practice. It, you know, golf is such a game that's in in our head. Yeah. If you don't have to think about, well, just a little bit to the right, ten yards to the right is red, or ten yards to the ten yards too far is a pond. When you're not thinking or putting the pressure on yourself on the driving range, it's a whole lot easier yeah. to hit your shot. You go to the course and everyone's there watching you. You're playing in a tournament and it kind of gets it gets intense. It's all in your head, but it's the same yeah. shot, but all in your head. Same shot, but also the driving range is normally on a flat area that's yeah. trimmed real nice. Better environment. It's a better environment, which is something we talked about with our last guest, Pastor Mark, about building a fire that lasts. You start a fire on a good environment, yeah. and really a driving range is a great environment. But me, I don't always hit the ball straight, so then I hit it out there on the course, and then I'm up on an inverted angle, and I feel like I'm upside down <laughs> swinging backwards. Uh, but you learn the basics and the fundamentals in a safe environment. But that's to empower you yeah. to be able to use it in an yeah. unsafe environment. Yeah, yep. How do you take the mindset that you have on the driving range, and how do you apply it to the course? I still haven't figured it out. Yeah, it's something I work on all the time. It's, um, it's my pre-shot routine. You know, I hit my drive and I hit it in the middle of the fairway. I walk up to my next shot. The first thing I'm looking at is what my lie is, how the ball's mm. sitting. Next thing, I shoot the yardage. I want to figure out what it is to the pin. And then mm. I figure out where do I want to land the ball at? Do I want to go behind the pin and try to bring it back? Am I going to just bump and run up into mm. it? What what my shot is. So I go through all those things, yeah. find out what shot I want to make, make the club selection. And then it comes to that trusting the club. I've went through all the processes. I've taken what I've done on the driving range, what I've practiced, and I know the information. If I hit the club right, what it's going to do. Yeah. So if I can silence my mind when I do that spot, when I do that shot, then it works out. But if I put bad thoughts in my mind, if I let my mind run wild, mm -hmm. it, it's tough once you get there. Yeah. You kind of have to shut the brain off in the middle of your swing. Sometimes, because like you're thinking about all this stupid stuff. Yeah, you gotta you gotta think about that on the range, and and then it becomes second nature on the course, mm -hmm. right? 
But I like what you were saying. You're looking at your lie. You're getting your yardage. You're getting your distance. You're really getting a vision for the shot. Mm-hmm. And it's important in life too. We can just have Christian principles that we agree with, but if we don't have a vision and a direction of how we're going to apply them in our life and where we're going, it's going to be tough. One thing that I've learned from you, so me and Casey have golfed quite a bit. We used to play in the men's league together, albeit we didn't do very good. We did um, okay. It, we, was, it was our schedule. Yeah. We did good. Like on days when you played really good, I'd play really bad, and then we wouldn't win anything, and yeah. then vice versa. One thing I learned from you, which I think is really awesome when it applies to your spiritual life, is when you putt, when Casey putts, he is not looking at the ball. He's looking at the hole. Yep. Which is so awesome as it relates spiritually. If you just got your head down exactly where you're at and not where you're going, you're, it's going to be way harder to make that putt. It's going to be way harder to accomplish that thing in life if you don't have vision and your eyes out in front of you. So if you ever get a chance to putt with Casey, if you ever get a chance to play golf with Casey, watch how he putts. He's got his eyes on the hole the entire time. And you're a pretty good putter. Yeah, I think that it's helped me out a lot. I can tell where the ball is going. And looking at where I'm going, I know how, like, it's more feel at that point. And I can tell how hard I need to hit it because I'm looking at where it's going. I think it's interesting. And it starts way before you actually get on the putting green. Anytime you walk up to the tee box to the next hole, you're asking where is the then what's the yardage yeah. and if it dog legs to the right meaning it kicks to the right at the end all of your shots are based on the end destination along the way yeah. and mm. it's rarely ever i'm going to try to drive the green especially with me cuz i can't <laughs> hit it that far Sometimes i got to get you a club head cover that says hit bombs you'll you'll want to drive the, the green, green. but the, the green. understanding of where the end destination is makes it okay to what we say lay up or hit a smaller shot to prepare you for the second thing but that all comes from your vision of where Ooh. the pin is at the very beginning yep. just like god does he sees the end from the beginning and in golf you do that But if you can't because there's a tree obstruction, normally you have a map or you have a playing card that shows you where the end destination is. And that's what we have in the word. Even if you can't see it with your eyes or you're at a spot where you can't see from where you're currently standing, we always have an end view in mind. And that's how we base our shots leading up to getting it in the hole. Yeah. I think that like golf is a lot like life. Even when you know where your end destination is, or you're starting to see your end destination. So you walk up and you're on the first hole. I think that God in our golf game can be relatable here. So if you just try to hit the first green on the very first shot, say it's 420 yards, you may have like a 1% chance of hitting the green. Mm-hmm. If you can even hit the ball 400 yards. Big if. Right? Big if. But if you just say, my second shot, I'm very comfortable. You said a nine iron. You right. said a six iron. Yeah. So I'm very comfortable with 150 yards. Exactly. You're very comfortable with 180 yards, right? That's wait, what's your six iron? 200. 200. My bad. My bad. I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> he hits it far, boys. <laughs> so 200 I let, yards. I let so, every club eat. So if you hit five iron, six iron, you're going to be on the green probably 90% of the time because you plan out the whole thing. Mm-hmm. If you hit, your three wood instead of your driver, control yourself a little bit. You only need to be at 250 instead of 300 yards, right? You can control that, the whole thing. I think that when we start walking out our life, 
It's the same exact way. Yeah. We take those steps all the way through. If it's whatever we have to do, we know that this is our end destination. But the first thing that would make it easier for us to get there is learning something about it. Well, then our first step should be going to that spot that learns how to mm. do that. And that's knowing yourself and not the culture around you. Because I play with guys like you and you hit bigger clubs so much better. And I try to adapt my game to be like you guys, but I'm not you. Mm. And then I end up worse off. And then I have to make up where I could be myself from the very beginning, not feel pressured mm. from an external source, but know my game, know where I'm at, and it would go yeah. so much better. Absolutely. I think uh, going back to what you were saying, even if you're capable of hitting a 400-yard bomb, there's a difference between what is needed and what is wanted. We'd all, we all want to drive the green. I don't need to drive the green and really I have to examine the situation and do what's best for that situation. So again, setting yourself up for success. 30% of the time I might hit it straight and drive it on the green, but there's a huge margin for, for error there. And if I just hit something that I know can get me out there and set me up for success with my next shot, then I'm really playing the game a lot smarter. And that's what we would call course management Yeah. in golf. You got to be a good course manager. If you're always, pulling out the driver and just trying to hit it as far as possible. Even if you hit it straight, oh, that's awesome. But now I'm 120 yards, which for me, that's right in between clubs. I don't really have a 120-yard club, which means I have to take one club and either hit it really hard, which I'm not letting the club do the work, or I got to take another club and try and hit it really easy. And, and that's actually still not letting the club do the work. I'm, I'm trying to manipulate it. Mm -hmm. Instead, I could hit an easy drive, and put myself at a distance where I know I'm hitting the, the right club for the right time. And that's how it is in life. You know, you got to sacrifice what's wanted for what's needed and what's going to set you up for success in the future. Absolutely. I don't want to end this podcast with our special guest without bringing up this. Ever since I started golfing, which being at New Creation Church really brought out my golf game, <laughs> being around you guys, I would show up to tournaments and Casey would be standing out with the way he dressed. Ooh. Like we are doing our podcast on golf right now and he's in a golf hat and a golf shirt. We'll and talk about the top yeah. half. He's in a pair of Birkenstock style <laughs> sandals. That, that gets me to the but course. That, that gets but he's you to not the course. wearing socks with them. So that's good. I, never socks. Okay. So what that, I'm saying. That should be like a podcast. Rule. Socks and stocks. Yeah, that doesn't work. <sighs> no. Okay. Things that don't help your golf game. <laughs> yeah. uh, but he dresses the part. And this is yeah. a big area that I get in contention with people who don't golf. Like, oh, look at those golfers. All they always have to wear. What, you want me to wear a visor and I'm going to do this <laughs> stuff? What's the part and the importance of dressing the part? Because I think there's actually a spiritual connection to even dressing the part. Do you have any ideas on that, Casey? I think that golf is like a whole lifestyle. And so it's about like fitting the part and it's not about being too good or this or that. It's just, there are certain rules that the golf course puts into place. You need to wear a collared shirt. Mm -hmm. They would prefer for you to have your shirt tucked in the right shoes. And it just sets up the whole thing. They spend a lot of money keeping their golf course in great shape. So they know that they can kind of tell you, you need to kind of dress the part to be a part of this. And I know for me, I like, I, I feel comfortable in these clothes because it's something I like to do and it just kind of fits in with what I do now, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that that the clothes help you a lot. You know, I think the clothes make you get into the routine that you need to be in. 
what you wear gives you a certain mindset, I believe. Yes. Yeah. And when I was in high school and I was on a hockey team, my coach would, even when I, before I was in high school, like when I was 12, I would have to wear a shirt and tie to a hockey game. And we did not tie our ties well, and our shirts were usually stained and different things, but they were trying to instill something in us. And I remember somebody really had a contention and they went to the coach like, what's up with this coach? Like, I just want to wear my track stuff. Like, why do I have to wear this? And he would always say, look good, feel good, play good. Hmm. And I think if we can get that in our Christian walk, because the Bible's full of put this on, wear this, tender hmm. mercies, and these different aspects when I dress up in golf, I may not be as comfortable. And sometimes I swing and my shirt comes in. Ah, come on. And uh, different <laughs> areas. But when I go out there, because there's some courses, like I'm not going to name them. I don't want to speak poorly of them. But I can wear whatever I want there. You can wear jeans. I can wear jeans. socks in Birkenstocks. And socks in Birkenstocks. You can't do that. They won't let you on. <laughs> no, you just can't. You just can't. <laughs> Unspoken rule. I may feel like I'm more comfortable, but I don't play as well because my mind's not in it. Mm. And even in our spiritual walk, if we put on mercy, if we put on these things to live the Christian walk, we just perform better if we dress ourselves a certain way before we walk into life, yeah. before we walk into the game of Christianity. It's not a game, but going along with the golf the, the, the battlefield let's yeah the let's talk about the armor of god for a second exactly there what you go it, ephesians 6 yes um you wouldn't go into our army you wouldn't go into army would you <laughs> you wouldn't go into the battle not dressed properly not having the proper armor on because that's what protects you and i'm not saying a fancy under armor golf shirt protects you but it's the same thing that that's the playing field. So you dress for the playing field and there are certain parts, the golf club, the golf shoes, all of that stuff helps you play better. Um, the hat keeps your sun out, sun out of the eyes, you know, it's true. But the same, same thing in life, you are called to go out into a battle, but God has specific things for you to wear to equip you and to guard you and help you fight that battle. And so we got to understand that what we wear is vitally important to our success in the Christian life. Absolutely. And it makes us recognizable. That's yeah. one of the great things. I like being recognizable. <laughs> as he, a he wears flashy colors. I do. But I've seen Casey in some flashy colors I've too. I've had some flashy colors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just, I think that it helps with my mindset. Exactly. So yes. I, I, I try to dress the part. I want my bag to be the part. You know, I, Same. I, I color match I my head good. covers and my, you know, my whole bag, I, it just makes me feel the part and it helps me control my mindset. I think that the biggest thing is you got to control your mindset yeah, and it. that it helps me. It gets yeah. me into the place where mm. I know where I'm at. Yeah. Color matched club head covers don't make you play better. Not at all. But if you're in the right mindset, you're going to swing better. Yep. And you got to change them up every couple of years. Yeah. I just ordered some new club head covers. Like you, I've been mentioning them a yeah. lot, but I, I got new fairway wood covers. I, got, I just ordered a new bag. I'm, I'm in it. There you go. I'm ready. I mean, I'm kind of late to the golf season because we only got a few months left, <laughs> but I'm if ready. That. <laughs> yeah, not even. We'll see. So we got a few minutes left here. What we like to do, I didn't inform you of this beforehand, um, but we like to do something called wisdom of the day. So just like a key takeaway from this session that you're going to take away and apply in your life. And hopefully we encourage the listeners to, to get some wisdom of the day and a, a key takeaway that they apply in their lives. So we'll go around the table and we'll talk about our key takeaways. 
Um, usually we have notes. We don't have notes today. We're just kind of shooting from the hip. So I didn't write down anything. So I got to, I got to reflect. John did write some stuff down. John wrote something down. Uh, what stood out to me is what the title is. Trust the club. And I really think my golf game was indicative of how our Christian life should be. I got a lot of my golf clubs from an elderly man who had golfed, who had experienced it, and he handed them to me. And then he showed me how to use them. And I was able to observe his life. And that point of watching a 70-year-old who had less body mass would wear a back brace sometimes when he actually would (laughs) swing and watch him hit it much farther and realizing the goal is not to try harder. It's to trust the club and the process of how to swing and trust the process. And that goes so far, even in my Christian life. Yeah. I would say, um, you know, everything we kind of talked about, it was all really good, but controlling our mindset. It's just that I think that is what we need every day in our Christian walk and everything we do. And, you know, in ministry, in business, in relationships, I think controlling our mindset will set up everything that we that we can yeah. do in life. It sets up our golf game the same exact way. If we can take the driving range player to the course, we'll do a lot better. And if we could yeah. take the church person to the world, yeah, it'll make you do a lot Amen. better. And I think it's all in the mind. Amen, yeah. brother. I will say this. I didn't really mention it. It kind of goes along with what we were saying about Trust the Club, but in Exodus chapter 4, um, God's talking to Moses and he's saying, Hey, you need to go to Egypt. Yeah, you got to free, you got to free Israel, man. You got to stand before Pharaoh. And he's freaking out. Cause he's like, I'm incompetent. I can't do this. What if they don't believe me? What if I stutter? What if he goes through the long list of all the things he can't do? And then God says, what did I put in your hand? And that was his staff. And if you know anything about the rest of the story in the Bible, that staff did crazy things. It turned into like a snake and, it, and all this stuff, God orchestrated it. But basically he already had the goods to accomplish what God was calling him to do. And that's what trusting the club is about. It's in your hand. It was designed to hit the ball. And if you can get out of the way and trust the club, it will go farther. So trusting that what God's put in you is going to sustain you and carry you to that destination in which he's calling you to. So good. Yeah, that's really good. Nice. <laughs> I say before we leave, uh, you got to give a plug for the church yeah. because that's where all of our connections started. New Creation Church uh, we're very thankful for it. Join us on Sunday, 8.30, 10.30, and 6 o'clock at night. And before we leave, since we have a special guest, we like to give the guests an opportunity to pray. Would you pray us out? Yeah. Uh, Father God, I thank you for all that you're doing. I thank you for uh, blessing this podcast, blessing these two great leaders in our community. I thank you for uh, giving us great uh, activities that we get to relate to you and enjoy the beautiful creation that you've made for us. I ask that you uh, just speak to everyone that listens to this podcast, speak to us to keep developing uh, our trust in you, our trust in what you've given us. Uh, We just thank you and love you so much. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Casey Dunlap, everybody. Catch him in church. Catch him on the course. And I'll just say this. Such a natural guy to talk with, isn't he? Absolutely. So smooth. So thankful to have you. And with that, we hope that you join us next time on the Sewing and Growing Podcast.